Welcome to Simple Truth Love, a place where we talk about self-leadership, self-care, and self-love. With the hope that our self-help conversations might inspire you to look at fundamental well-being practices. Here, we'll dissect powerful words and explore how those words can enable or disable us from being our best selves. And contemplate things together that make us be the best we can be. Hi, I'm Rochelle Doyle. And I'm Cindy Bradshaw. And today we are meeting with Virginia Elder. Virginia focuses on creating a life of peace and financial freedom. She is passionate about empowering women financially, sharing content to help lift the taboo around money, providing resources, and helping people share their messages about wellness, money management, and personal growth. Virginia is a soccer mom, an animal rescuer, a nature lover, and is joining us from Dallas, Texas. Welcome, Virginia. Welcome. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) So glad to be here with you. Thanks for joining us. And today we're going to talk about abundance. We're going to talk a little bit about financial abundance and the role it plays in our life. We have two definitions to keep in mind. The first is abundance, which is plentifulness of the good things of life. And the second is financial abundance, and it's about having everything you need and then some. So Virginia, why did you choose this word? Well, abundance has become a very common theme in my life over the past eight years. I always did believe that I was destined for more, you know, whether that just be me or my family, my kids, but I didn't really know how to define that feeling for a really long time. And especially growing up, I felt like there was a lot of scarcity, selfishness, jealousy was very apparent. You know, when we would see someone that was doing well in life, my dad would make comments about, you know, oh, you know, who do they think they are? And just kind of that (laughs) negativity. And I just knew so strongly that that didn't feel good. And I didn't agree with that perspective. And I didn't want that to be part of my life. And I just always really envisioned an upward trajectory. And abundance is the complete opposite of scarcity and jealousy and greed and all of that. So that's definitely become my word. (laughs) I think it's really important to think about the role that mindset plays in abundance because a lot of the times you're looking at somebody who has more than you Mm -hmm. and it's really hard not to compare yourself to what it is that they have, compare your things to what it is that they have. And when you do, we know every single time it doesn't set you up for success. Right. It makes you feel worse. Mm -hmm. And I know now, of course, after all kinds of personal development and work, that was a reflection of insecurity and even worse childhood for my family. And so generationally, we've definitely made progress, but I always looked at things thinking, you know, in my time, we're not just going to just make progress. We're going to skyrocket. Like I'm not here to play. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I think it's really important that we all have the mindset that there's enough for everyone and that we're not all in competition with one another for everything. Also to recognize that we all were raised so differently and everyone with that comes different resources and different equities in life. 
you look at the world differently based on that. I agree. In my younger, like 20s or so, I felt very judgmental toward my parents about some of that, that they had, I felt like taught me. But then, of course, in time, I look at things and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm understanding a lot more about where they came from and why they thought that way and why those comments were made. And then, of course, just looking at what I want out of life, the life experience that I want to provide for my kids, how we can shift that and talk about things in a more positive way and work through some of the mindset and work through some of the judgment and say, is this a reflection of how you're feeling or is that what you really think is happening? So Virginia, tell us a little bit about how you define financial abundance. Financial abundance to me is having enough to cover what you need and want plus a little bit more. And that's not to say that you can have everything you've ever dreamed of this year right now. That is more about consistent flow and a thoughtful plan and maybe various savings buckets to where you've thoughtfully planned out potential issues that you could run into. And you have things set aside, whether that be insurance or literal savings buckets or however you decide to set that up. But when you look at that, it gives you a feeling of peace about money and about potential expenses. That to me feels like financial abundance. So would you say it's different from being rich? Definitely. You can feel financially abundant with very little income. Maybe you don't require a lot of expensive things and you kind of live off the grid and you have low expenses and everyone's lifestyle is different. I find that really interesting from the standpoint of I worked in development for a while and it was always shocking to me the least likely people donated Mm -hmm. the most amounts. The people that I knew this community really intimately and I never would have suspected that they had the financial resources to donate these large sums of money. And the people that, you know, were driving the nice cars and things like that were not donating at that level. So it was really interesting for me to experience that. It's not what you see. Yes. It's how people live within their means too. Yeah. And what's important to them. And I read The Millionaire Next Door years ago. That book really made me sit back and think because I had seen both scenarios growing up. I had seen where we didn't have anything and everything that we had had to be flashy because you had to show that you had earned it, right? Mm -hmm. And then I saw as I grew up, my parents did come into a little bit more money and it became this like agreed thing and it didn't feel good. It was never really emphasized to share and give and like the importance of those things. Now that's something that I am trying to emphasize for my kids. But the Millionaire Next Door book just really, if anybody has not read that, they really need to read it because it will make you realize that just the most normal person can be so wealthy and you'll have no idea. Yeah. So Virginia, why do you think abundance is important to talk about when we're talking about self-love, self-care, and self-leadership? 
I think when you have a mindset of abundance, the true belief that you're destined for abundance, you are going to show up differently in life to everything because you believe that you're worthy. So maybe you'll say yes to something that makes you nervous, but that you probably should do because it's good for your career or, (laughs) you know, just anything like that. When you have financial abundance, that makes a big difference because you have planned well. So maybe you can afford therapy or counseling or time off or just something so simple as just buying a book that you want. I remember times that we were super duper tight on money and I would want a book that was highly recommended, maybe something about generating wealth or starting a business or something like that. And I would sit there and hold back and not buy that book right away. It's the simplest purchase. But when you know that you're worthy of that value, you'll spend that, you'll take that time. And so that allows you to be a self-leader, right? And that allows you to take care of yourself in the way that you need. That is a huge part of self-love and self-leadership, believing that there's something better out there for you and taking the step towards it. Yeah. Cindy, what do you think? I really think abundance is the ultimate in self-care, self-love and self-leadership. It's that idea that you always possess everything you need. Mm. So I think for so many reasons, whether you're talking about finances or love or really anything, it's that confidence that you have within your own being that you possess what you need to make it through life. So I think it's really the ultimate of what we're talking about here today. How about you, Rochelle? There's a cyclical link between a lack of abundance and mental health issues, which makes it really imperative to talk Mm. about in terms of self-help, self-care, and self-leadership. When your money's not working for you, Mm -hmm. when your money's tight, when you're stressed about your money, it creates opportunities for depression and anxiety and stress. Likewise, the other way it works too, that if you have mental health issues going on, your likelihood of making great financial choices is diminished. Yes. Your likelihood of making any great decision is diminished, right? So it's important to connect to finances and talk about their importance. I also think in our society, we don't really talk about money a lot Mm -hmm. and it can create a siloed feeling with what people have going on. So I think it's really important to bring it to light. Yeah, I think it's important to recognize that not everyone has the same tools in life. We're not all set up equally, right, to be able to really save money and understand that. So I think Mm -hmm. that's definitely something that needs to be recognized and is something that we can all work on together to help others. You know, if you might have those skills, you can help other people. Definitely. In making better choices. And even something so simple as a conversation can really break down those barriers. It is funny because people are strange about it. It gives people all the feelings when you bring up money, whether it's how your business is doing or whether it's your paycheck or personal finances or your bills or anything, trying to lean into those conversations and trying to be open and non-judgmental and helpful. If you have the resources to share, like you said, just talking about it in an open way is one of the most important things, especially as women, that we can do to help each other out. How do you feel about 
our society hiding salaries mm. within companies? Mm. Do you think that that, I don't know, for women, for marginalized people, it seems dangerous, but also I don't know if I want to tell people where I'm at. It feels deeply personal. How do you feel about that? I would like more transparency. I really, really appreciate websites like Payscale and Glassdoor, those type of websites where you can go on and at least get an idea of what you should be paid. Because when I did work in corporate, I referred to those and it gave me confidence going into, you know, a review or a interview or anything like that. But definitely for people of color, women versus men, all the different disparity in that, I think some transparency would be good. At least in my own business, I've really, really tried to just say, this is what everyone who does this gets paid. I've tried really hard to bring a level of transparency into my life, even telling my kids just how much things are, talking to my husband openly about money. And we've witnessed firsthand other couples that you can tell they clearly do not talk about money. Mm. It's interesting. It's always just that open learning experience that we were talking about and trying to just be open and non-judgmental about those conversations. But yes, transparency in the workplace would be useful to a lot of people. Right. And I've definitely benefited from people being more transparent about it. But I think Mm -hmm. once you start to get into a cycle where nobody's talking about it, it feels like you should shut up too. It is a workplace culture, whether they're open or closed to conversations like that, whether it just be with your boss or coworkers. And sometimes that can be really frustrating. Yeah. So what led to your career focus on abundance? (laughs) So I started out, of course, not with this focus. Our personal financial journey is actually kind of what alluded to this whole abundance perspective and mindset. A little bit about my background. My dad worked us very well into the middle class. I mean, I will be very honest that we started out very low. He started his own business. And that was a huge deal to watch. Like as a kid growing up, I could definitely see like, oh, we have a nicer vehicle now. Oh, we're moving into a different house. I mean, you can see like the very visible pieces of that. And he did a great job at that. And I already mentioned like, as I got older, I think he was so set on earning more and making more and doing more that it kind of morphed into like a negative thing. Even though we had the cars and the house and entertainment and all of that, there was still scarcity underwoven under the surface. And there was comments like, oh, who do you think you are? We can't waste food. We don't waste food in this house. We can't afford that, even though I see what's in the driveway. Like, how can we not afford (laughs) this? You know, just certain (laughs) things didn't make sense. So even just looking into college, I chose a degree. I chose accounting because I looked up the salaries and I thought like, okay, accountants make good money. I could do that. I'm good at math. And everything had to do with kind of carrying forward that need to be better off. Lo and behold, of course, my husband and I go through our own very scary financial journey. I, down the road, agreed to help my mom through her divorce and decided to foot the bill for that because she absolutely could not on her own. 
And while I led with my heart, and that was probably the right thing to do, it was the scariest time of our lives because our little family was growing and I had a two-year-old and a newborn and then all this pile of debt and I'm taking care of my mom. So there was definitely a moment where I was like, this life of creditors and debt and fear is not what I signed up for. Mm. And I drew the line at that point and said, I don't care what it takes. I'm fixing this. My family will not grow up with this level of fear and scarcity. And I mean, I remember I had like $20 in the bank and payday wasn't for like two weeks. I have a newborn and a two-year-old. I mean, it was real scary. And at that point is when I kind of decided we're working towards abundance. I don't know exactly what that means, but we're going there. (laughs) And over time, I've been able to really think about it and define it. And that led me to leave corporate and start my own business. And definitely things have taken off in a positive direction. And I can't say it's just happened naturally. I mean, I've taken courses and I've worked hard and but always with that belief that there is more available, there is more destined for us. And I believe that for everyone. I think some people forget and maybe get complacent or are never told that there's more or that they're worthy of more. But I do believe that for all of us. Yeah, I think it's really difficult. So I am in a relationship with my husband where he definitely grew up with the scarcity mindset and I maybe grew up with more of the abundance mindset. And that's hard to kind of meet in the middle Mm -hmm. as a couple because there's go-tos that he has. When we first got married, we were out shopping one day and we saw these candlesticks that we really liked for the house. And we had money from our wedding. And I said, we should get the candlesticks. And he said, but we don't need candlesticks. And I looked at him and I said, when would you ever need candlesticks? Like it's because we want them, right? (laughs) So, you know, right then it was like the first conversation about, wow, we're really on different sides when it comes to money. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting and really important that we have those conversations, especially if you're in a relationship Mm -hmm. to figure out how you can come together and have more of that mindset. Yeah. Virginia, when you were talking about your story too, the other thing that I was thinking about is, and Cindy, yours ties into this, what generational information teaches us about our relationship with money and Mm. how that leads, how we're all in this world together and how we're trying to relate to each other. But everyone has this different background. And I remember growing up, we had that same mindset. And I've never thought about it until today that, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Yes. But it does buy BMWs that are in the, in the parking lot. <laughs> but the mindset thing too. Yes. That I think I've had to break up with. And I've learned the hard way. When I was in my younger 20s, I remember being so stressed out about rent and where it was going to come from. And simultaneously was not missing a night to go out, right? Was also <laughs> going out for drinks with my friends. And I created a lot of undue stress in my own life. In distress, it, I was not making good money. I definitely wasn't living this middle-class life. I was a server and was doing okay. But the poor decision-making for me was what resulted into the stress of not being abundant. Yeah. That can travel with you no matter what pay scale you're on. Mm-hmm. The decision-making process of what you do with your money. Absolutely. 
I also sometimes wonder like nature versus nurture with this because I just explained that my husband and I are like on opposite sides of the spectrum when it comes to scarcity abundance mindset with finances. And we have two children. One has that abundance mindset. One has the scarcity mindset. So Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting too. And same. My kids are complete opposites. I've got the saver and the spender. Y'all are in the same house. Like how? You're in the same household. (laughs) How does this happen? So yeah, it could be that one person's raised differently than the other, but then there's also that factor of two people raised in the same household that look at things completely differently based off Mm -hmm. of who they are. Yeah. True. Well, and Rochelle, you've made different comments about your finances or something was stressing you out or you Mm -hmm. wanted to like work on budgeting better or whatever. And from a distance, I've thought you've been doing a great job at that. This kind of hits the nail on the head for you, huh? Yeah. And you know, too, what's funny is that I think I'm a pendulum person because I go from side Mm -hmm. to side where I will go into hoarding and I'll squirrel and I'll start to gather and then I won't spend anything. Nothing can be spent and you have to be, you have to have... (laughs) (laughs) You get a can of tuna for dinner and that's it. And you're not going to go out and don't have any fun. And the other side is right around December 15th when I'm like, don't look at, just swipe it, just swipe it. (laughs) Don't look at what's behind that. Just swipe the card. It's going to be fine. fine. Yeah. (laughs) So I've got to reel myself in (laughs) to that middle line. Yeah. But you know what? In college, I had a roommate tell me because I was like, Okay, I went to the grocery store and I bought bread and peanut butter and then like baked potatoes and ranch. And of course, now I look at that, I'm like, that is so unhealthy. So my plan was like, I would eat baked potatoes and like peanut butter sandwiches. What could go wrong? Spend 20 bucks on groceries, like super easy, right? So that was my squirreling. (laughs) And I would turn around and I would buy like really nice sheets for my bed because I really just wanted that luxury in my room, even though I'm like this broke college kid, right? But she told me, she was like, no, no, you're spending on something that you really want. And what you call like odd spending behavior with groceries is your way of saving in an area that's maybe not that important to you right now. Good point. And so I think it balances. I think it does make sense for us to go back and forth. Yeah. I love that idea because (laughs) I think we all feel that way. Like, wait, why am I spending money on this? And then here, I would never spend money on that. So I think that's important to recognize. Each person has a different idea Mm -hmm. of what's important to them. Yeah. And as long as that spending is aligning with what you really want out of life, you're good. But when you're like, okay, I don't care about XYZ, but that's where 50% of my money is going. Uh, You know, let's reel it back and let's focus on spending money where we actually care. Yeah. Or understand too where that's coming from, because I'm sure Mm -hmm. there's examples of, I don't know, buying fashion items like makeup or clothing that is maybe to keep up with the Joneses and maybe it's really not your value. So I think there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, absolutely. Virginia, you've mentioned this amazing story of overcoming a huge amount of financial debt. What resources or tools or tips can you recommend for people looking to obtain more financial abundance in their lives? (laughs) Well, I have a few recommendations and I will say there is an order to them. 
in our situation at that time, I mean, I would have never quit my full-time job and started a business. So that is definitely not step one, although that has (laughs) helped us. But step one is definitely just getting real with your numbers and diving in. And one of my favorite women that talks about money is Chelsea Brennan. And her website is called Smart Money Mamas. And she does live events. She has great emails. She has a podcast. And she has just a very real take, especially for moms with young children. But I think it really would help all kinds of women. On just the basics of budgeting, she talks a lot about mindset, but also just the real actionable steps about what you can do, what you need, what insurance do you need? How do you budget? What's important? You know, percentages, all that stuff. Very, very helpful. The next thing, if you have this drive to start your own business or even just a side gig, my favorite lady I'm following right now, her name is Rachel Rogers. She has Hello7 is her club for female entrepreneurs. And it's all inclusive. There are all different types of ladies in there. She'll still say women, but she does mean just anyone that identifies as female. So that is just a wonderful group to be in. And she offers a ton of guidance around running your business step by step, like from when you're making 10 bucks in a day until you're making seven figures. And so that's why it's called Hello7. So I love that. And her big thing is that six figures may just not be enough these days. Inflation, markets, housing costs, all of that were kind of raised, I think, at least for me as a kid, I looked forward and said, man, if I could ever make $100,000, I'd be so Mm -hmm. rich. And that's just not true anymore. So talking to Californians, right? And I'm not sure exactly where she lives, but she has a very real kind of way of approaching things. So I I love that. And then the last one I'll recommend is a lady named Lisa Peterson. And she wrote The Mindful Millionaire. Her business is called A Wealth Clinic. And she offers all kinds of mindset help and structure. And of course, her book. So even if you can't afford her coaching or something like that, like her book is probably pretty affordable. So yeah. I enjoyed all of those resources. And of course, like while I was in the depths of it, my focus was more on resources around budgeting and action steps of like what to do. And then as you start to get out of it, you're like, I don't want to accidentally get into that situation again. So what can I do to prevent that? And your journey takes a different turn based on where you are and what you need when it comes to finances. Well, and to me, it sounds like a big piece of this is paying attention. Oh, yeah. Very good. I'm so glad you picked up on that. That's like seems so obvious. It's a great point. So Virginia, I hear you can feed like a family of four off like a hundred bucks a week. Can you talk a little (laughs) bit about that? And is that still true after this pandemic and everything's so much more expensive? It is still possible. I definitely went through a phase where I was sharing like on Facebook lives every week. I would like share what groceries I bought and show my receipt and how much I spent and share which meals I'm going to make. And that was so fun. And I think that's important. And especially for the people on a budget that need to only spend a hundred bucks or less on groceries. In time, I've definitely started to focus more on nutrition and 
I'm moving away from the freezer chicken nuggets. And I've actually found like a local farmer that delivers fresh produce every two weeks. And so I am definitely spending more on groceries now, but that doesn't mean I don't still love a deal. (laughs) So everything has gone more toward nutrition and that is a little more expensive, but I would still say, I think we probably spend like 150 bucks a week now for the family. It's amazing. You know, I do live in Texas. I'm not on the California budget. (laughs) I think where you live makes a big difference too. And here, at least I can shop at Aldi and get most of the basics for pretty cheap. And then the farm delivery really helps. Then I can get other like fancier produce or fancier like sugar-free items at the Sprouts that's nearby. I do love a good budget. (laughs) I think too, though, something that you touched on is it's hard in society to stay as healthy as you could possibly be and budget. Mm -hmm. It's always McDonald's, Wendy's, Taco Bell. Right. Who I think just came out with the new Mexican, the Mexican pizza's back. Yeah, the Taco Bell Mexican pizza just came back. (laughs) (laughs) Yummy. (laughs) Which is also like the most expensive thing on their menu. (laughs) But those choices that are fast and quick, they don't come with veggies. They don't come with nutrition. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to that prioritizing, like what's important. So is it the groceries that you're going to save on or is it the nice sheets? And that's something that is only for you to decide, really. Exactly. So when we were super tight and drowning in debt and had all these minimum payments and were struggling, what was important was that we spent very little on groceries. So I was much less focused on having a green thing at every meal and just really focused on feeding people and everybody being alive and okay. And then still having money for all the minimum payments, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to pay things off. As that got paid off and times change, your priorities change, just like you said. And so now my priority is on ultimate health and entrepreneurship and taking care of myself so that I can take care of my family and teach my family about nutrition and teach my family about money. And so that the shift is gradual and natural. So if anyone out there is looking at this saying, well, like I can't afford, you know, fresh berries every week and that makes me mad and my budget's awful and they're upset about it. I want to encourage them just to have that abundance mindset and say, but one day I will be able to, I've just got to get through this now because it will come. Yeah. But like Rochelle said, you just got to stay focused on that. You got to pay attention and keep going. Virginia, what are some of the common mistakes people make when dealing with their finances? The most common, I would say, misconception is that when I make more, I'll save more. Oh. (laughs) Right? It's so natural to think that. When I make more money, then I'll have money to save for retirement. I think that's the big, big one. The other one I think a lot of people don't realize is to have all your money just say in your checking account and just keeping it all in one bucket. It has been very, very useful to have multiple savings accounts or a savings account with a company that offers like a buckets type of feature. So there's an online bank called Ally Bank that I really love. And I have, I'm not kidding, like 12 buckets. Because 
I just want to know that something's there, even if it's just the simplest like $200 little expense. I want to see that I have that money set aside. So when you have it all in one bucket, it's easy to get confused and think, oh, there's like so much money in here. I can totally go out on Friday night. So guilty of that. Right? I think we all are, honestly. (laughs) But when you have it separated out, then you can look in, for example, that online bank and those buckets and see where each little bit of your money is going. And you see those goals and you know if you're putting enough towards those goals, then it's not all just in your checking account. Smart. And then I think the last thing would be When I have it figured out, then I will teach my kids or then I will share with my girlfriend or then I will share with my husband. We have to be able to share even when it's not pretty, Uh, when it's uncomfortable, mm -hmm. because that's like the true learning experience. Like, especially with kids, like if you make a mistake with money and you're actually embarrassed, it's okay to let your kids see that because it's humanizing and they know when they make a mistake it's not the end of the world. I think that's a really good point. And I think it actually kind of rolls into our next question. What do you wish our society or culture did to support people more with fiscal responsibility? Yeah. The big one that comes to mind is honestly, I wish finances were taught in school. Ah, me too. (laughs) Totally. And I don't know if you guys have mentioned that before, but I know that that's a very common conversation in the personal finance space, mm-hmm. online, at conferences, all over the place, and not necessarily in place of algebra or geometry or something like that. Those things are important too, but I didn't know a dang thing about credit mm-hmm. or loans or what it meant to have a mortgage or how much of a mortgage a person could afford based on their income and what they should or shouldn't sign up for. There's so much about personal finances that I think we could really set kids up for success Mm -hmm. from a very young age. You could start talking about money in a very positive way and really change these kids' trajectory, like for the whole world, for the whole nation. That's a big thing. So important. I 100% agree. I would say that credit cards, teaching retirement, all of these things, financial literacy isn't intuitive. It's a skill set. And if we don't teach it in K through 12 schools, it's not setting up our future for how they're going to live their life. And it perpetuates the opposite of abundance. And if your parents didn't talk about it at home and you struggled and then you are embarrassed about it, so then you don't talk about it and teach your kids, then the cycle just keeps going and there's no one to stop it. And if there was a way for society to integrate that in schools, that would be very helpful. And I think it would take a lot of pressure off of parents being afraid that they're going to teach the kids wrong. But yes, it absolutely perpetuates the cycle. Cindy, how about you? I also think that we need to challenge our assumptions about poverty in our community. And people say and spread biases by saying things like, Homeless people just don't want to work. Mm. And there's many important factors such as mental health, loss of affordable housing, inequitable access to training and tools. And I think we should get more involved. If we believe there's abundance for all, we'd be helping more to create better communities. So I think get out there, be active and get involved as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that. 
I also think our society is really set up to keep people more in debt than keep them with good financial security. And so it's so important to have wonderful conversations like we're having today. So thank you so much, Virginia, for having this conversation with us. Rochelle, what takeaways do you have? Yeah, I feel like I have a bunch of takeaways. So to synthesize it, I do want to read, I've never read The Millionaire Next Door. Yay! (laughs) And I love the resources that you've provided, like Hello7, Smart Money Mamas, Mindful Millionaire, and Ally Bank. And then more 30,000 feet, I think it's really important to think about breaking up with struggle through intentionality and focusing on what's going to bring you peace. Keeping that overarching view and having that guiding point is going to help me more. Cindy, how about you? Well, definitely that saving is unique to the individual and what's important to them. That was just a really important takeaway that I have from today. And then don't be judgmental of people. If somebody really wants Starbucks every day and that's where they spend their money, like who are you to judge? Because a lot of us do that. So stop being judgmental, paying attention, super important kids and how we are talking about money, I think is an important takeaway to really think about how you're coming across to your kids Mm -hmm. as far as money goes. And I also love the money buckets idea, having a bucket for vacation spending, having a bucket for clothing, having the different buckets. I've never really looked at my finances in that way, but I'm a fan and I think I'm going to pursue that. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) So thanks so much. Virginia, what takeaways do you have? First off, I loved this conversation. So thank you so much for having me. What we touched on a lot is just resources, just having and seeking resources. Mm -hmm. Luckily, the internet has made things a lot more accessible to a lot more people. But we did bring up that some people still may not have access to the same resources that we do. So just kind of to keep in mind, like, Hopefully there's a library where you can get a free book and there's all kind of, you know, there's an entire personal finance section. So just to continue to seek and use the resources that are at your fingertips. And then I think it was Rochelle touched on this, that it doesn't have to be hard. So let it be as easy as possible. Maybe you feel like it's not going to be, but walk into it as if it were going to be easy. And that really helps kind of tie in with the abundance mindset. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Virginia, you have a quote, don't you, to end our podcast with today. So let's hear it. Yes, I do. This is by Marianne Williamson. And the quote is, the key to abundance is meeting limited circumstances with unlimited thoughts. 